Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to the Two Guys in a Mic show and a happy Passover and a happy Good Friday, Easter weekend coming up out there. Hope everybody is ready to enjoy the big dog and a coach with you right up until 11 o'clock here on the Two Guys in a Mic show and the beautiful auspices of the TalkZone.com as we go over day one of the baseball world. Some great pitching gems yesterday, including a couple of them at uh, Wrigley Field. We'll talk about that. Both myself and the big dog were there live and Semi in person, anyways. Got some NBA basketball to talk about. Bulls come back with a victory over the Celtics. Two game losing streak is over, and the Masters, a tradition like none other, hath begun. All that and more after six seconds of scintillating talkzone.com music, courtesy of David Olson, our producer. And we're waiting for the big door to check in. Our phone lines are open, by the way. If you went to the game yesterday, want to talk baseball on uh, kind of the unofficial, I should say, opening day of baseball where most of the teams were in action, feel free to give us a call. Our phone number here at thetalkzone.com, 888-463-6748. Again, 888-463-6748. I have never been down that. Normally, when I go to... uh, Opening day, and I want to thank uh, my good friend Smith Barney Steep, longtime Cub fan, longtime fan of the show, for hooking me up with tickets once again for opening day. Every time he invites me, it's about 40 degrees. We sit in the shade, and the wind's blowing right in our face. But who am I to complain? I think Charles Barkley would call that white people problems. But um, I had never gotten down there early. And I met the big dog down there, and I think we got the dog on the line, like at 10, 30, 11 o'clock. I never realized, big dog, what a circus carnival party atmosphere opening day it's it's a tradition like not other big dog coach you you're missing out because uh, not anymore i'm not go to, next time you go to a, a cub game with me we'll go in the summer okay we'll go like in a june day and we'll get there at 11 and it will be just a spirit no coach there's no way I'm, you go at 11 o'clock i've been to games you don't have that kind of atmosphere on other games at 11 o'clock in the morning I don't know. They're coach, they're, I've been to a lot of Cub games, and if there's going to be 40,000 people there and the Cubs are anywhere decent, the place is a party from 10 o'clock in the morning until 2 o'clock in the morning. Okay. I, and I will agree, it is a little bit more subdued because, you know, you're probably going to have 35,000 instead of 40,000. Mm-hmm. And there is the atmosphere, hey, it's opening day. But those are people who paid a lot of money to make sure they're going to open day or they have season tickets and blah, blah, blah. When you get the rest of the year, you get a lot of people, hey, I'm from Michigan and I'm here for the weekend and I'm going to get hammered and party in Wrigleyville for a whole weekend. You really do, coach. Yeah. I, we're gonna go. You're gonna. We're gonna go down at a, and we'll meet at eleven o'clock okay. in the morning one day. All right. And you're gonna be like, yeah, this but, place is well, full of a bunch of drunkards. If I were a teacher giving a grade to Wrigleyville, A plus, absolutely A plus. People were great. 
Bars were great. The uh, policemen were great. Security was great. The vendors, there was a friendly atmosphere. The place is hopping, not just around Wrigley Field, Big Dog, but two, three blocks away in all the different bars. Absolutely A-plus for the atmosphere and the people hanging around beautiful Wrigleyville. What would you give it? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with, there's, a, there's a reason. Uh, I love the Cubs, and it can't be because of production. Because in my <laughs> life, they never came close to winning the uh, the National League, except in 84 and 2003. Honestly, they won the divisions and other stuff, and they've had some good teams. But let's be honest, the only time they were ever close to actually going to the World Series were those two years. There's got to be something about when I go there, first of all, the park still reminds me of when my dad was alive and he used to take me to Wrigley Field four or five times a year. Yep. So it's like, oh, it's like, well, there's that connection with my dad. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I, I worked at Nike Town. I got free tickets for five years. Got to go there, and it, like it's become ingrained in me. And as much as I love the Cubs, and as much as I care about the product and if they're good or not, I'm going to admit, I, yeah, I have no problem going to Wrigley Field on August 20th when they're 20 games out of first place and go in there and actually enjoy myself, watch a baseball game. Yes, Sox fan, I just said it. Did you believe that? I go to the park to enjoy myself, whether my team's good or bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, hopefully, they're good. And I complain and complain. And, uh, and hopefully, Cub fans like me who support the team yet want a great product are respected. And you know, we don't have to totally turn our back. And if it was still the Tribune Company, I would support. Let's turn our back and boycott going to games. The Ricketts family doesn't deserve to have to be boycotted or treated like they did anything wrong yet, yet. For two years, they have made smart baseball decisions, and they've improved going to Wrigley Field, and they've lessened the price for the tickets. And they flat out said, hey, we're making money. We should have some days where people can spend five bucks and get into Wrigley Field and stuff. So Mm -hmm. as a Cubs fan right now, I do realize that the organization and the players on the field are top-notch. But I feel in my heart for the first time that they actually are going in the right direction. I'm happy to be a Cubs fan right now, Coach, is mm-hmm. all I can tell you. Oh, by the way, we should mention uh, that the Cubs lost the opening game in a heartbreaker, really. Uh, it may have been opening game, all the festivities, but if you break it down, it was actually a, a just a devastating, well, maybe that's the wrong word, heartbreaking defeat. I'm going to get into it in a little bit, Big Dome, but already... One game into the season, I'm already critical of manager Dale Swaim on a number of items. But, uh, you know, what a way to start the season. You lose 2-1. to one. But before we get into the hieroglyphics of the game, and again, if you were there at Wrigley, maybe you saw this year, man, out there, want to talk about him, give us a call here on the two guys at a mic show, 888-463-6748. The pregame festivities were phenomenal and one of the highlights clearly was the appearance of this year, man. He made his mark out there at Wrigley Field, Big Dog. We have video. We're going to send you. Get it up on the Facebook page. But uh, this year, man, was in rare form. And I think all the fans uh, enjoyed him. We had, we had some good rapport. Uh, real real good rapport. I, got con- I was rapport. contacted by numerous people yesterday. I guess I was on WGN News. Yes. And, and from the person who sent me the message, they were like, you had a whole conversation on there. They were like, you were on for like two minutes. Wow. So they didn't just show a little five-second snippet. No, I was. I guess they wow. really talked to me. I did an interview with some girl from Columbia College, and that I was, stayed completely in character. That was a you long. Didn't hear what I was, that was a, like a five-minute. That was a class project, I think. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't hear what I was saying to them, did you? Uh, a little which bit. Was, 
which was pretty funny. Well, this other girl without a camera came up, and she's like, I'm a newspaper reporter. And I started telling her my life story, but I did it as this year, man. Mm-hmm. The reporter was laughing. She couldn't keep her a straight face. <laughs> and then the girl next to her, she's like, you're Joel Redwanski, right? Oh, yes. Did you see, right. Did you see that? I was like, yeah. Recognize like, I'm you. Caitlin. You remember me? And I'm like, no. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I used to drive you around from. Football game to football game. These these were the two girls, uh, David Olson, the big. I think I got the conversation right where you told them that uh, you were conceived by your parents trying to have sex over the frustration of the Leon Durham error in the nineteen eighty four game, and that's the night you were conceived. Yeah, I, I, basically, I was like, well, I was I was conceived through makeup sex. Yes, that my was parents the... weren't angry at each other; they were just making up after <laughs> Leon Durham let the ball go through his legs and caused yeah. the cuts in 1984 World. And then your uh, first your World first World words as a baby were I forget the I remember the second words. What were the first words again? Uh, the, the first words were "Go Cubs." Go Cubs, and then you said the second thing you learned to say was "Peter here." <laughs> Uh, nope. right, right past mama and da- right past mama and dada and beer. You know, what my first, my second words were. What was that, coach? Got two. Who needs two? That's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, I didn't like it at the time. Not when you look back at it with perspective, it's not bad. But all right, so you were um, you were a big hit. Not, not only with the media, a lot of interviews, and we got to check out that WGN interview now. I'm really peaked. Yeah, yeah I got to I got to get it. I How can we get it. that, David Olson? We almost. I was seeing if they did a snippet up there. I don't know. I mean, I I I don't know. Did it air live? Uh, no, it did air no, live. Definitely it did not air live. Which broadcast it was, on, was it on? It was on the five o'clock broadcast. Yeah. Okay. And I haven't I haven't looked at the W. I haven't watched the channel the nine o'clock one yet. But is there a way of going back via the internet and watching, or, or via like Hulu TV? I don't think so. To watch old. News broadcast might. It's a possibility, Big Dog. We might never see it unless we pursue WGM. But very cool. So you oh, got no, on no, TV? No no, 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 no. I'm watching it right now. I'm watching it. What? On, it was on the nine o'clock news right now. They had me on. How are you watching? Uh, I'm put. I opened up my DVR. Oh, you and taped it. I just, and I taped the night. Oh yeah, oh. they they got the whole thing. You're on there too, Coach. <laughs> in the background, okay. hopefully not doing anything embarrassing. No, 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 you're not in the back. I'm on yeah. there for it. I've been on there this whole time since I've been talking to you. So I, I, I have it down. Then they, they ended me and they put on some the short fat guy that was behind me. So that's cool. <laughs> Last I'll time I think I got on national. Huh? Hopefully I didn't look that bad. They didn't put my name this year, man, though, on the bottom of no. the screen. I'm a little upset Killer. about that. I we, that. Need, we need to get that on your jersey. Just to let you know, they uh, they had me, my interview... And then Dick Durbin. <laughs> they put me ahead of a politician. These people at WGN know what the heck they're doing. So you, so you made it before the, before the senator. That's pretty impressive. That's, that's excellent. That's pretty, pretty right. impressive. All right. Well, hopefully Theo or Jed or somebody will pick you up. You can become the uh, official mascot. I will say that uh, walking through some of the bar areas that were packed, uh, you were a big hit, got a lot of conversation, but the groping problem came up. Once again, Big Dog, and it seemed like overweight elderly women and groping seemed to be a consistent problem last year and this. Now, I, quite frankly, I had a few hotties uh, feel on me. Yes. You know, and I was like, uh, uh, one of those hotties <laughs> was a guy. Yes. Okay. Very good looking and I guy. Think huh? When the guy felt me up, 
I turned to him and I said, you're the best looking person who saw me up today. And everybody in the neighborhood, like right there, just yeah. cracked up when I said that. Was that, the, so, was that like, the guy you thought was Theo Epstein? Was that the guy? Oh, no, no. <laughs> I'm like, Theo Epstein, buddy. Why are you drinking at 120? <laughs> you should be across the street the whole day. I was like, it doesn't look like Theo. <laughs> but I, I had no problems with anybody. All day, Coach, you missed the one. We, we went in the sluggers and we walked out onto the, the, the deck. Yep. You know, I was talking to people, and some go, oh, yeah, look at you, you idiot. Some guy, well, the only guy who said, I'm like, I'm like, get out of here. I was like, I'm trying to do something with my career. This is actually a brilliant idea. People love it. Mm-hmm. The guy's like, yeah, you probably don't know anything about baseball. So the, the, the guy started asking me trivia questions, Coach. I missed this. You missed this part, which was the best. So the guy's like, uh, he asked me a couple things. I was like, blah, blah, blah. And he's, what team is Ryan Terry on? I was like, he's on the Cardinals last year. I don't know what team he's on. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and the guy with him was like, he answered the first four questions. And he looks up Ryan Terry. And he's like, by the way, he's not on any major league team. I'm like, that's a trick question, you jerk. I do wow. remember one of the questions. The guy's like, what's the greatest catch in World Series history? I'm like, well, that's it. I, I could get that wrong because there's so many great ones. He's like, what's considered the greatest? I'm like, it's either Johnny Padres or Willie Mays. And he's like, it's Willie Mays. Don't tell me it is. And then... And then I gave him the whole 1954 thick words, polo grounds, and then he was like, maybe he doesn't know what he's talking about. My vote and for greatest I, World Series catch of all time, by the way, is uh, Ed Cranepool stumbling and bumbling his way out in right field and making a dramatic catch to help save the amazing Mets. David also we got some uh, tape. I, I don't, I don't have the whole video, okay. but there, I did find something on WGNs which where it's a montage of all the people that they talk to, yeah. and Joel is in it. So <laughs> how long? Maybe about 10 seconds. That's cool. 10 seconds, long time. Oh, that's it? That's too bad. What do you mean that's it? So I'll I'll put that up on our Facebook page. Excellent. Excellent. Big Dog, I have great video. i got to figure out how to send it to you. Hopefully my son can have great video of you dancing, if you want to call it that, in front (laughs) of the drummers, the Bucket Boys, and then racing across the street and interfering with traffic and then stopping and talking to some Cubs vehicle. But I got that. I got that all on tape, so that'll be up on the website at some point, also. Okay. Yeah. Cocktails. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was it. Was quite a day. I was, was I was going day. Blue Moon, and you were going Jack Daniels on the rocks. Uh huh. Yeah. That's a it's a typical drink for me because I I got to look good, tight, Coach. Those extra calories in the beer just don't do it for me. I I have to I have to drink the Jack Daniels. Mm-hmm. All right, 888-463-6748, phone lines open. Big Dog and the coach this year, man, doing a great job on the pregame. Big Dog, I don't know how much you were able to catch of the actual game, but Cubs did lose 2-1. to one. I want to talk about some of the other baseball games. we got White Sox opening today. We'll sneak in a little bit of talk of Masters Golf, maybe a little bit more than a little, and the uh, Bulls-Celtics games yesterday. But baseball front and center first on the Cubs game, uh, and only half kiddingly. Only half kiddingly, I'm already upset with manager Dale Swaim on a number of items, including the pitching situation. But uh, they lose two to one. And just as an overall, before we get into particulars, you know, we get a great pitch game, and then the bullpen falls apart. Same old, same old. Yeah, and it's uh, it just it's just well, Ryan Dempster pitches seven and two thirds innings, gets two outs in the eighth, and Swaim takes them out. And what I guess, and then Terry would walk three batters in a row. After that, I guess that's what happened. Yep. You can't – if it's April 10th in Chicago and it's freezing out, you have to have two pitchers ready. That's my now, issue. 
Yeah, and you were right. You brought it up to me yesterday, and you were exactly right. I thought about it. Uh, I have to admit that was right where I was getting off of the train. Mm-hmm. I, I had to come. I have no responsibility in life except being on time for my tours at the Chicago Water Riders tour yes. or something. Mm-hmm. Well, I have. I'm, I'm taking care of Lily the Lilac's QQ, her little her little purse dog. Okay, so I had to get home as quickly as possible. Which made it. I, I did not want to leave Wrigleyville yesterday, Coach. After you went, and I, could, I barely got out of the neighborhood. Yeah, I heard uh, after I left you on your walk, uh, and you were in a bit of a rush, but apparently you got distracted for more than a few minutes. I. It was almost impossible for me to walk against the grain of the cup fans. I couldn't walk <laughs> like I walked on two feet, and some dude just grabbed me. He's like, "Dude, shot with me." Okay. <laughs> Next thing I know, I'm in. Uh, I don't even know what bar. It might have been Exodus or something. It was on the east side of Clark Street. And I, uh, I, I slam a, I'm like, I really got to make a train. He's like, you're leaving? Oh, man, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I missed all that, Coach. So I, got, I, I got in and I, I got in the, the place around the restaurant where I'm about to eat lunch. And all I see is Terry Wood walking around. You know, and the guy next to me couldn't explain what happened, which is too bad. But. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, to paint a picture for the fans outside the Chicago area here, you know, Dale Swain makes his first big move as a manager and replaces Ryan Dempster after 108 pitches, seven two-thirds of inning, brings in Kerry Wood. Okay, I can live with that, but apparently Dale Swain is of the, you know, it's Kerry Wood's game to win it or to lose it. Nobody else up with a runner on first base, two outs, and this is opening day. It's a big win if you can get the win. You, you know, you send yeah. some fans home happy. The Theo and Jed generation gets off to a great start. It's, it's you know, obviously it's not critical, but it's a really nice victory. you got to get a second pitcher up. you got to have somebody up there because you never know when your bullpen guy is on, when he's off. And usually you can tell right away. And Kerry Wood was off. He was struggling. If you had Marmol ready to go, you bring him in with the bases loaded. Wood walks two guys and, you know, two outs, you hope. For a strikeout from Marmol in that situation. By the way, Wood not only walked three batters, there was a wild pitch runners advance in there also. But um so I thought that was a critical mistake right off the bat. I hope that's not long term part of his philosophy, Big Doug. It's his to win it or lose it. No, it's not his. Because there's twenty three other guys on the team, including nine that have been playing all game that have been busting their butt for two hours and twenty minutes and they deserve to win the game if Kerry Wood is off. Nothing personal. I love Kerry Wood. But if a reliever is off his game a little bit, you bring another guy in. Yeah, uh, you know what? It, it's one bad decision not to have somebody else warming up on a on an April fifth freezing day in the city of Chicago. But let, let's find out if he's the type of guy who just assumes that you know he warms the guy up and that's his inning. Because for we both love uh, Coach uh, Thibodeau for the Bulls, and we yep. kept complaining, man, he's running these guys into the ground. Well, guess what? He learned his lesson. He isn't doing that anymore. He's trying to take these, like, get these guys ready for a playoff run and get them healthy. So, but let's not, after one game, assume mm-hmm. Dale Swain is gonna is gonna be one of these staunch. Oh no, no, this is his inning. Which you yeah. know, it's good sometimes, it's bad sometimes. Okay. So. I've already told David Olson to check into to see if the fire Dale Swain website has already been no, taken. No, yeah, one was, game. You couldn't, you couldn't, it, it takes like immediately. There's some guy out there who just watches the waiver wire, yeah. the wires, and he just says immediately, oh, he's a head coach, and he spends the 10 bucks and buys it. <laughs> now, some other uh, interesting managerial uh, calls, and one is um, Alfonso Soriano stealing third base. I don't know if that was on his own or not, but he steals third, he's thrown out. 
destroying what could have been a big inning. You love the aggressive base running, but what bothered me there is our runner on first stayed at first. Uh, so now, he went on his own. Yes, which, okay, well, I hope. Because if it was called for a steal, that means we had a little miscommunication there. That's not good. And then runner on third, what could have been the winning run, uh, after Ian Stewart almost jacked the ball out of the park in the bottom of the eighth. But the wind held it in. He got a triple instead. They bring in Joe Mather as the pinch runner. He's a new guy who uh, surprisingly made the team. Apparently had a great spring. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know much about this guy, but I got a feeling I'm going to like him a lot. Anyhow, they bring him in as a pinch runner. Infield in, big dog. Infield in, and Dale Swain calls for the run on contact call with one out. And you he's know th- what? If that he's... ball was hit just a little bit more to the guy's left, he'd be like, wow, that running contact was a great call. Okay. So, so, you, so you think I'm with not, one out, I'm that's not the right. I'm upset at all about that decision. That was a roll of the dice they, they missed out. The ball was hit right at the guy. Okay. You know, and if it's just a little either to either side, it's you never know. You know, so I'm not I'm not ripping that. Well, I like the I like the aggressiveness. But if it's hit to, uh, so you're saying if the fielder has to slide to his left a little bit and still picks up the ball with the infield in, he won't be able to throw the runner out. Well, I'm not talking a little tiny bit of a slide. These are major league players; they can handle that stuff. I, I, but it was hit right at him. Yeah, and and normally when you have an infield in like that, if if, this, if the guy catches it, you're going to be out, and it wasn't even hit hard, and that was another one of those examples. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, I'm not I'm not upset about that. That's one of those decisions okay. that are, it's really easy to say he did the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Where, if, like I said, if the ball is hit five feet the other way, all of a sudden we're like, wow, what a great. Because if if the third baseman for the Nationals, Ryan Zimmerman, who by the way is the best fielding third Ooh. baseman in the Boy, was he good. Let me just reiterate that to everybody. Boy, was he good. I was, if if there was, really, there was only one player I was impressed with yesterday, and that was Ryan Zimmerman. He is just solid in the field, and obviously he's a great hitter as well. Yeah, and he's, he's one of those guys. He was hurt all last year, and he still hit like 280 with 25 home runs. He's a, he's a solid player, and it's funny. I was like, a couple months ago, the, the Nationals signed him long term. And I remember thinking, you know, he's a really good third baseman, and there's not a lot of him, but that's a lot of money. Well, compared to Joey Votto, he got like 140 million less than Joey Votto. That's a pretty good deal uh, that the Nationals signed with mm-hmm. Ryan Zimmerman over there. That guy is pure. You want to talk about, you know, maybe not super, super, superstar status, but just a pure quality Major League Baseball player. Ryan Zimmerman is the very essence thereof, both in the field, personality-wise, and with the bat. That guy's pure quality. Um, Darwin Barney, by the way, made a great defensive play to potentially save the game. And Kerry Wood could have given up a lot more runs because base is loaded, base hit up the middle. Barney makes a diving stop. No chance to get the runner at second because it was three and two count. Runner was going. He fires to first, barely gets the runner. Spectacular play by Darwin Barney. Now here's my fourth complaint. So you had Mather running. You had Soriano stealing with Ian Stewart staying at first base. You had the pitching mess up in my particular opinion. And the fourth thing, we heard all this talk about, you know, patience and the new the new club philosophy of patience, of looking for walks, being more selective. That's been a consistent problem with the Cubs in the past in the first inning. Darwin Barney, I think, on the second pitch, Castro on the first pitch. We had like the first four hitters all hit in the first or second pitch. So it, it seemed odd to me with a new philosophy that right off the bat, some of your main players in the first inning, Big Dog, came out swinging early. I just found that odd. Uh, well, yeah, let's not read too much into that. Okay. 
and and also uh, it's really easy to tell somebody, hey, this is your approach. We're going to do it this way from now on. Oh, by the way, that's Steven Strasburg out there, one of the best pitchers on the planet. You go, you go hit him and be patient with it. So well, let's uh, let's wait for that for a couple of days. But you're right. You would think. Like, it, it was funny, you're, you're thinking of that, and, and you're like, you know, they're supposed to be more patient this year. And I'm thinking, wow, Theo Epstein had just said he wants to win one nothing games more often than win yes. uh, 10-8 to eight games. He even, you know, he said that. And when Wood walked in that run, I was like, well, there you go. I thought we were going to get that one nothing win. Because even though I wasn't, wasn't watching the game, I was, you know, following every single pitch on my phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to listen that, okay. you know, how about this? In 1994, the Cubs were incredible on opening day. How did that season end up for the Cubs? Not too good. Yeah, I, but, but again, it's just an interesting philosophy. You got new management coming in, stressing a particular thing, and you could see after a while if hitters start to fall back into their own habits, and then you got to you know tighten the screws a little bit and have a meeting or talk to the guys individually. But I just found it curious right off the bat. Right from the very get-go, they go back, and again, I don't want to read too much into it, almost the antithesis of what they were teaching, and swinging at first and second pitches in the very first at bat. Don't want to make too much of it, but put that in the back of your memory, Big Doe, because maybe maybe there's a little resistance. I don't know. Well, if you think about it, Coach, they have um, they said they're going to do a bunch of stuff this offseason. They're going to be better situational hitting, so they'll drive in runs when there's a runner at third and less than two outs. They were going to field the ball better. Well, they field the ball better. They were going to uh, throw strikes to pitchers. Well, they they didn't do that yesterday. They walked in a run. So if you really want to take all the stuff that they said they were going to do, there were pluses and minus. Oh, they were more aggressive on the base pass, and it cost them huge yesterday. So, you know what? It's one game. Let's not read too much into, into mm-hmm. something. Okay. So, I don't get to read very often, so when I get the opportunity, I like to read into things as much as possible. But you are... For a rare moment in time, you have become the voice of reason in this show. Big Dog, I'm proud of you. Well, if you want to talk about something that you can only hear one of or see one of, but you absolutely just wrap it up and be like, I cannot believe how disgusted I am. Have you heard the 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 tape of yes. Greg Williams, I, the, defense, the, the, the defensive corner at the time of the Saints when he was I've, making these I've, comments before the 49er game? I've read it. I have not heard the verbiage, but... Uh, Disgusting. Coach, I'm going to throw it. Hugh Douglas comes out. Oh, you people who are football fans don't understand. This is how we talk. The only thing I had a problem with was him saying, go after uh, the uh, number 10. No, not, not number 10. Whoever. Michael Crabtree's uh, ACL. Yep. Other than that, he didn't say anything wrong. He didn't say anything wrong when he said, go after Kendall Williams because he's concussion prone. Make sure to hit him in the head. If you hit him in the head, his concussion systems will act up and he'll be gone. Yeah, that's right. He wasn't telling people to hurt anyone. You know, dive at Michael Crabtree's knees. He's got a bad ACL. You hit him in the knees, he won't play anymore the rest of the game. Hmm, really? That's what you're saying. When you're on a pile with a 49er, go to the head. Work the head. Touch and affect their head, he said. I am so outraged as a football fan. I'm almost more. Listen, I do understand it's the NFL, and people might be like, "We're playing Brett Favre today. We're going to knock his blank out." Okay, I really don't have an issue with that. 
I've been in locker rooms. I've had coaches tell me stuff like that. If I had a coach tell me, dive at that dude's knees are bad, I'd be like, are you freaking serious? You are the exact opposite of everything you've preached about morality and doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And now, because now you're telling me I'm supposed to dive at somebody's legs for a freaking football game? Yep. First of all, I'm not diving at their legs because I'm not putting my head in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. I can be a man and hit that dude right in his chin. You know, and then like they had to talk about Alex Smith. And he points to his chin. He's like, I want every single player with their helmet to hit Alex Smith right here. And supposedly he was pointing at his chin. And they're like, we need to scare them. We need to shock them with what we're willing to do to them. When you tackle someone on their sidelines, I want opposing players flying, cheerleaders flying, and their fans flying. If he basically would tell them play as dirty as you possibly can. So yep. You can't even read around it. They're, like, there was the, when it starts out like this. I want Frank Gore's head. I want it going sideways. His head needs to be faced towards the sidelines. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, people are overreacting. You know what I mean? It's just like a guy saying, yeah, he said head, but it does make sense because I had, I don't know how many times I've had coaches say, make sure they're cool. that running back is looking at the sidelines and not the end zone. You know, I played outside linebacker. But it, then all of a sudden it started, Coach, wow. Frank Gore, if you hit him in the head, he won't, won't want to play. And then Kendall Hunter, number that little blankety blank, he will not cut up the field if you hit it. So whatever it takes, basically they're telling him, like, break that dude. I mm-hmm. was, I couldn't believe it. Coach. Well, you know, hitting somebody hard, hey, this guy might be a little bit, you know, soft. You hit him hard, he's going to back down. That that falls under the auspices of coach speak and okay for a pregame pep talk slash strategy. Where yeah, he completely goes over the line is when you talk about a guy that's got an ACL injury, let's go after his knee and see if they, you know, how good that doctor's job was. And even worse, where, you know, you doubly go over the line, the guy should never coach again. As you talk about players with concussions, you know, let's hit him up the stairs, let's test out that concussion, blah, blah, blah. That is where it goes just a way, way over the line, big dog. And he, in my opinion, should never, never coach again in the NFL after those t- I, I- I, I completely. He should never coach anywhere, coach, because we need to stop this type yep. of uh, stuff. At little did he know, stuff. some guy was filming. Um, it was the a segment. Scott so Scott Gleason is the former special teams guy for the Saints. Yes, that has MS and has had an extremely difficult time. This guy is one of those thirty for thirty uh, video guys. He's made a bunch of movies. Okay, he's making a movie about Scott Gleason, and just so happened to record that. And he's and I do believe him. I do believe him when he says this. We don't know. We have to take him for his word on it. But he said I would have never released this, except for the fact that. Oh, you shouldn't say never. He says I wouldn't have released this now, except for the fact that um, you know all these suspensions are going on. So I just wanted people to know the NFL did the right thing. Mm-hmm. Like I, when I was hearing this, I was planning on releasing this years down the road, so people know what type of evil was going on in the mm-hmm. NFL. That's what, that's a statement. You know, I believe him now. I mean, honestly, that was, that was such a forthright statement. And I know it's trying to cover his butt, but you know what? It's true. It's totally true. If I would have recorded that as, just say I got into a locker room, I wouldn't even know what to do. I'd be like, are you serious? Tell me. And I want to emphasize this, coach. You read it and did not like it, right? Right. And sometimes you hear stuff that you read and you're like, oh, I, I took it out of context. It's worse than you think. He emphasizes, he's like, I want you to hit him in his head, and he, like, stops. You know what I'm saying, Coach? He waits. He's, like, in his head, you see, and then he says it again. 
Mm-hmm. Like he's emphasizing headshots on like particular players. Interesting too that no uh, any of our fans, anyone who as we skip from a little baseball, we'll get back to some of the other baseball games, some dramatic games yesterday on opening day of baseball as well. But anybody that wants to chime in on the conversation here with the football and the Greg Williams and the New Orleans Saints uh, suspensions, coaching situation, etc. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. I found it quite well partially curious that. Uh, as dramatic as some of that stuff was, a player never stepped forward, even a player that had been traded or moved on and called Greg Williams out, certainly not in public. Even if he talked to other teammates, nobody brought that to the forefront, Big Dog. And that, that was pretty strong stuff, and it stayed in the locker room. I'm a li- not big surprise, but a little bit surprised. And Drew Brees, who is the head of the NFL Players Union, he, if you think about it, Coach, he, it's real important what he says in it. And Drew Brees, I thought, probably learned something from the Joe Paterno incident. He immediately came out and said, I should have stopped this. I was wrong. Yeah. I should have done something about it. Yeah, you think? Yeah, and, and you know what I mean? And, and he's like, I was afraid to because I considered it. And I was like, we're one of 32 teams doing this. And I didn't want to put a, div- a dividing rod mm-hmm. between my team. I wonder how somebody on the New Orleans Saints who had an ACL injury or who has had a concussion in the past, you know, so now they're sitting there listening to their coach talk about that. I wonder how they felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 you, you never know. If you're playing the Saints and you're like, man, that's fullback who always used to go up top and try to be a man and, and block me for many seconds was just taking the chance to try to chop me every single play. Mm-hmm. We and I would be able to get right back up and make a play if you didn't do it right. So, oh, why were they chopping me? Oh, that was right. I was on the injury report with a bad knee. Wow. Well, I tell you, that's, that's one thing. That actually doesn't bother me as much as, like, coaches instructing you to do it. I mean, it's, it's, hard, it's hard for me to really put that in, in context. I know it happens, Coach. But uh, I don't know, the idea of a coach, like, talking about concussions and let's go get the guy's head. Mm-hmm. So a lot of coaching uh, situations stealing some of the thunder away from the opening day of baseball. Uh, Orlando Magic, we got a bit of a soap opera going on there now with Stan Van yeah. Gundy publicly saying that he knows his star player, Dwight Howard, has talked to the owners and wants to get me fired. Boy, I bet that makes for a great player-coach relationship. And then Bobby Petrino, did you read about that one? Oh, my goodness. I, Coach, I don't think we've seen more coaching lead stories. I was telling William a lot like this morning. I was like, you know, this, it's it's seven twenty, and there's been three <laughs> stories about coaches, not uh, the game. Tell, tell not our the game uh, for coaches. Tell our two guys at a mic, a general public listing audience, for those not aware, it's not a overly dramatic story. It's got a little humor into it as well. But uh, what happened in the Bobby Petrino story? The head coach of the Arkansas Razorback. Uh, Bobby Petrino, widely regarded as one of the nicest and most kind and and trustworthy men in the world. Oh, no, excuse me, I got that wrong. It's the exact opposite. <laughs> and uh, he was riding his bike. The 51-year-old Bobby Petrino was riding his motorcycle last or like two nights ago and got into an accident. And he failed to report to the officials at the University of Arkansas that a female was on the motorcycle with him, one that was 25 years old, oh. former All-American volleyball player at Arkansas and worked oh. in the sports department. And Bobby Petrino is married. So the the head of little the, uh, detail, little detail. He failed to report. Fifty-one years old, mm-hmm. married, 
motorcycle accident, and he's got the whole neck brace on. It was pretty serious injury. He's okay, but he definitely banged himself up pretty good. Uh, pardon the expression. And then we find out he was off-road with ex-school volleyball player who somehow or other got a job in the athletic department, and he's 51 and married, and she's 25. Yes. Oh, boy. That's that's pretty much sums it up. So, you know, in the whole scheme of things, it's his own personal life. If you married Bobby Petrino, you know you married a, a, a lion dude that'll, that can't be loyal to you. Well, I mean, a lying dude that can't be loyal that does run a very nice Veer offense. Let's let's be all. Well, no, he doesn't there. run the Veer. He's he's a spread coach. If he was a oh, Veer guy, he would have more morals. Okay. He would be more forthright. Anybody <laughs> who runs the Veer, I will tell you, are is a solid individual. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Got... I'm, I mean that. Too. I'm being told that was, a, that was the offense I ran in high school and in college. Coach, I, got, so. I got my X's and O's uh, messed up. So, Coach is stealing some of the thunder uh, yesterday for the opening day of baseball. Let me real quick. Kenny Williams is the general manager of the uh, Chicago White Sox, and you had mentioned among the players that were targeted on the video and via verbiage by Greg Williams was Kenny's son, Kyle, who's a and kicker. by the way, and I, and I, I, he never used anyone's name. He always used their number and called him a little B. Okay. Called him a real what? Human. That would, uh, it rhymes with itch. Okay. That okay. makes, that would humanize him if you were like, hit Frank Gore in the head. No, you don't, they, he didn't ever said that. Hit number 32 in the head. Make his head go sideways. I'm, so he never used Kenny Williams' name. He just mm-hmm. said that little, you know what, number right. 10 is. But Kyle was, is, is a guy who had had a concussion and was returning to play, correct? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, one right. coach. Here's mm-hmm. Kenny Williams' statement. As you've seen, Kyle Williams, talking about his son, is a man's man, and he's shown himself more than capable of answering on his own behalf. He has definite feelings on the subject, but has chosen to remain committed. This is Dad talking. Kenny Williams, GM of the White Sox. He has chosen uh-huh. to remain committed to providing all his answers to any questions on the field next season. Knowing this young man's intestinal fortitude, I doubt anyone will get him to waver from his position. Again, Dad talking. To answer the question directed specifically to me as a father, first and foremost, I'm glad to report Kyle's concussions test have been extremely positive. We're grateful he's ready and anxious to get back to competition. Here's where it gets kind of good. Personally, suspension or not, it's probably best that I'm never in a room with Greg Williams and wonder if such an order actually crosses the line of aggressive competitive spirit we all know and love and leans a little bit closer to a criminal act and therefore a litigious matter. So he's almost, not totally, but he's hinting at, you know, potential lawsuit. Putting aside my fatherly feelings of putting my sports executive hat on, I have tremendous respect for the 49ers, blah, 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 blah. As a result of this and the fact that the singular focus for every member of the White Sox is on our distraction-free championship season, I won't be speaking on the matter anymore. But uh, pretty strong words and very classy words, but pretty strong from Kenny Williams. You know, he's right. Coach, he's right. If everybody's out there, forget about whether it was you that were targeted because, to be honest with you, Coach, I mean, you, I mean, it was on the high school level, but when I played at Downers North, the whole offense would yell out my name before every single play. He's over there, blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, that's one thing. If the idea that somebody would, you know, that doesn't even bother me if it involved me. Even if they were, like, take his knees out, hit him in the head, it doesn't bother me. But if somebody did that to my godson, Connor, oh, I would go – I would hunt down the coach that did something <laughs> like that. Seriously, I, I, Kenny Williams showed the utmost restraint. Yep. That, I don't know if he was like interviewed and he said that, or if that was like his statement. That was perfect. 
for the. I like I like the part. Song, it's but, it's best that me and Greg Williams are not in the same room anytime soon. And it, it didn't come across as he's my son, and blah, he was done wrong. It didn't come across as that. It was like my son is strong. He's okay. Yep. I just want to, I just, this has got to stop in football is basically what he said. Mm-hmm. And then he also left the door open of, hey, uh, you might have a $10 million lawsuit dropped in your lap any minute mm-hmm. now, Greg Williams. Yep. It's either that or I beat the crap out of you. Which yep. one do you want? Uh, hey, real quick, let's finish up the baseball report. Some good games at opening day. Some great pitching performance. Some br- brutal fecality strown bullpen work yesterday. Uh, Seems like we almost say that every year at the start of the season, but some great pitching performances were ruined. Want to get through that, and then we got to talk about the Masters, big no, the big one this weekend, Easter weekend. Again, happy uh, Good Friday to everybody out there. Happy Passover to our Jewish brethren out there. It's a very confused religious time right now, big dog, especially for people like me who, well, when I use the word celebrate, I use that in the loosest terms, but who uh, honor both holidays. I'm both confused and then somewhat a better person for being part of both. Now, the the most, like, legitimately half of the sightings on the planet, UFO sightings on the planet, happen above Israel. Okay. So it's basically a bunch of Jews in Palestine that see a bunch of flying spaceships all the time. Mm-hmm. And they say during the Passover and Easter time, like March to April, is the highest level of well, UFO sighting in that area. I think I can explain that. If you've, I don't know if you are a Kafilta fish fan, but typically the Kafilta fish consumption of the Jewish brethren tends to go up near the Passover weekend. If you have too much Kafilta fish, whatever carcinogen is part of that delicious food, by the way, it will make you hallucinate a little bit. So I'm going to hold Kafilta fish and locks primarily responsible for those visions. Okay, I, that's my. I, I can't. I can't argue. I, I've never been to Israel and have seen one of these. But have you ever had? Ca- have you ever had kafilta fish? I would love to, coach. Any type of fish I like. You've never had kafilta? I, I, you know what? I, I, even though I, I really am the United Nations, I got friends of all different colors and creeds, and <laughs> I'd have to say I've never. I've been to a couple of Jewish weddings. Yeah. And but I've never really had. A best friend or anybody that was like that was a Jewish. Do you, you know? You know what I mean? And you, I never eat with you unless we're at a bar, and that's I don't think that's exactly going to be a kosher meal. No, no. I you know if you order the buffalo wings and kafilta fish, usually you're only going to get one out of the two in a bar. Have yeah. you? Do you know what kafilta fish looks like? Um, I'm assuming it's got two eyes, some scales, and uh, <laughs> no, a ribcage. No, no, no. It's not like a regular fish. It looks like a matzo ball. That's the oh, shape. That's... that's the shape. So it's it's. That's why I'm explaining to you. It's not like a regular fish. Is that like a puffer fish without the without the needles? That's round. There's not actually a fish called a kafilta fish. I don't know what it's even made of, but it's a Jewish okay. food. It's called kafilta fish, and it doesn't have eyes in it. Last time I checked, but it looks it, the texture and the look, not the taste. The texture and the look is similar to a matzo ball. I'm going to go out there on a limb and say it's uh, the herring, a form of herring. Like ground herring, maybe. Yeah, that's that's. There's a lot of herring in the in the Mediterranean. So, <laughs> any of our Jewish brethren can help us out there. I know I love the taste of it with a little horseradish. It's delicious. I have no idea what it's made of. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. If you want to clear that up for us, we'd much appreciate it. Again, triple eight four six three six seven four eight. Moving on to the baseball front quickly. Big deal. We had some great games yesterday. Toronto seven, Cleveland four. Game one. 16 innings, longest opening game, 
Longest opening game in the history of Major League Baseball. Toronto scores three in the ninth to tie it up. Another blown save. Bullpens were brutal. And then they get a yeah. three-run homer by J.P. Aranciba to win it in the 16th. Yeah, they had uh, Jose Bautista hit one yesterday. Edwin Encarnacion had a good game. J.C. Aranciba did. I-, I told you yesterday, it's, if, we, if you're going to make too much of the Cubs' loss on opening day like I, I, like I think you did, then let's start patting the Blue Jays on the back, Coach. I, I'm telling you, that is a great ball club, and they would win four divisions mm-hmm. in baseball if they were in the other four. The problem is that they're in one of the divisions that they won't be able to win mm-hmm. because they're playing uh, Goliath, uh, the Albatross, and uh, the, the Evil Dynasty, basically, okay. over there. So they have no chance to win. Right. But the, big, you're right, that was a great game. Big win for the Toronto Blue Jays. I was at Wrigley yesterday watching the scoreboard as the Detroit Tigers and the Boston Red Sox full of sluggers and great hitters, and I'm watching 0 0 0 through 7. And the eighth inning, the Red Sox scratched through for a run, and you think they're going to win the ball game, and then the Tigers, or no, I'm sorry, the Tigers, Scratch through for a run. Justin Verlander pitching a phenomenal game. Jose Valverde comes in in the ninth inning to close it out. The same Jose Valverde that 49 saves opportunities last year, 49 completions. He was perfect. In the first yeah. game, he blows it. He gives up two runs. So now the Red Sox are up 2-1. to one. And then the Boston closer, he blew it. And Detroit comes back and wins the game 3-2. to two. An amazing opening game between two uh, American League contenders picked up. You know, uh, Papa Verde, uh, Papa Grande, uh, Jose Valverde is going to be fine for the Tigers. The Red Sox closing situation is going to be ugly yep. until, uh, until, uh, Andrew Bailey gets back. You know, coach, you got to love Justin Verlander. He started Woo! for the Tigers, the Cy Young and AL MVP last season. Very similar to like Derrick Rose, who comes back better. Remember, Michael Jordan was great and he'd come back better. Justin Verlander, said he's a better pitcher than he was a year ago, and he never threw the slow curveball. He was always a power pitcher, right, mm-hmm. Coach? And like, a, like a slider and then like that two-seam fastball, he throws ground balls all day. He threw the slow curveball yesterday with two strikes eight times. Uh, seven times the batter swung and missed, and the one time they hit it, they popped it up. you got to see this pitch. He's throwing 100 miles an hour. Yeah. And he, now he's snapped If he off. can consistently get that ball over the plate based on how he was throwing last year, the, the best way I can put it is it's not fair. It, it really? <laughs> did, did you happen to see the highlights of what he was doing to those Red Sox batters? No. They were spinning in circles, missing the – I mean, if you're looking for a 98-mile-an-hour fastball and then he throws a 66-mile-an-hour bender, uh, it's, I can't even comprehend what that much, what, that's for those like. for those keeping tracks of wins and losses on the year, by the way, and how insignificant that statistic can be, Verlander was brilliant because of the blown save gets no win, and Jose Valverde who blew the game uh-huh. because the Tigers came back and scored two, he gets a win. So that's so just an... Val, yeah. If Valverde pitched two, pitched the whole inning, coach. His ERA is eighteen. And he's one and zero, and Verlander is eight innings scoreless, and he's zero and zero yep. so far in this. Yep. So more blown saves there. Great starting pitching. Roy Halladay of the Philadelphia Phillies. Another game I was keeping an eye on. Big Dog with zeros all across the board. Philadelphia puts one run across, one to nothing over Pittsburgh. And Roy Halladay uh, just keeps on keeping on. He was amazing again. Who did uh, Who did the the Pirates put out there? For Eric Bedard. Oh, that's right. He. 
that could be a nice story. This is the guy who had a great year back in, in 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. 2010, 2011. He struggled through injuries. And about two weeks ago, I, I heard him. He's like, my arm hasn't felt as good since 08, and I'm going to have a good season. So that's obviously he didn't get the win. Yep. It's good to see a guy. Hopefully, well. the Pirates have a decent staff. And by the way, Jonathan Poppelbaum, the uh, old Boston Red Sox reliever, is now the closer for the Phillies, and he got his first save for a Philadelphia Philly. Uh, be careful what you wish for, Red Sox fans. You had to run Pappelbaum out of town because he had a couple bad games last September. Oh, who's your closer now? Nobody. That cracks me up when fans get what they want sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, this coach sucks. Let's fire him. We hired a Van Gundy. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it's, you got to be careful what you wish for in life. All right. Another one nothing game just to wrap it up in Major League Baseball. Mets knock off Atlanta. Another one to nothing game. Johan Santana goes five innings. They bring in a bunch of relievers to shut down Atlanta, including a ninth inning from Frankie Francisco, who pitched, I think, four pitches, Big Dog. Got the batters one, two, three, and he threw four pitches to get a save. That's probably got to be an MLB record, right? Uh, no, there's, uh, as a matter of fact, I know of a pitcher, his name is Scott Gorelt. He did not even throw a pitch, and he got a win. I, I guarantee you there's somebody in Major League Baseball history that has had a one-pitch save. Well, yeah, that's, get, but I'm you, talking you know, about a complete inning. Yeah, clearly, I don't know, I'm sure somebody. Yeah, clearly there's been one-pitch saves before. That's not that rare because a guy comes in to, to get the final out, guy swings it. One at bat, but just to pitch a complete inning and get in four pitches. Um, obviously, if the record is beat, it can only be beaten by one. I don't think you can get three batters out in less than three pitches last time I checked. Can you explain to me how a pitcher won a game without throwing a pitch? Yeah, a runner steals a base and thrown out. You would have, would have been in, that we would have had to throw a pitch. Good point. How about a pickoff? That's exactly what happened. Guy come out, Scott up, came out, two <laughs> outs, tie game. Uh-huh. Picks the guy off of first, runs back into the dugout. They get the lead the next inning, and somebody at the like one of the reporters was like, "Hey, you know, you didn't even throw a pitch. You got the win." And he was like, "Yeah, I did. I didn't throw a pitch. I <laughs> got the major league game. Got a W. Didn't even throw a pitch. That's it pretty is one good. Of the coolest stats I've ever seen. That's pretty good. That was that recent or uh, in previous oh, years? Oh, that was in the mid '80s. Coach, ah. it was mid '80s. Another cool stat is an Oriole two years ago got the longest save in the in the history of baseball, and this is going to be awfully hard to break. But it was a seven inning save. He pitched the last seven innings. The starter came in, got shelled, and hurt was out. And it was typical Orioles. And then in the in the second inning, another pitcher came in for the Orioles. The Orioles got the lead. That pitcher left, and the Orioles scored like sixteen runs in that inning. So they were up like sixteen five. And they brought in a rookie. He pitched the last seven innings of the game, and the the the, the scorekeeper gave the win to the guy who pitched like one inning and the save to the guy who pitched seven. It, that's like it, the, it, the longest possible save you can have is an eight inning save. Mm-hmm. So that that's going to be one of those records that I don't think anybody ever breaks, Coach. Yeah, it's going to be a weird season for the Chicago Cubs. Stick around; they might they might. <laughs> break a few of those kind of records but uh at any rate the baseball opening day the official opening day when a lot of teams were not the unofficial i should say opening day when everybody started the play was uh, very good some interesting games dramatic finishes and of course the big dog and coach will be with you throughout the entire 162 game roller coaster ride that is the baseball season and big dog as i mentioned to you yesterday after my third blue moon 
that I did go through each and every one of the games, analyzing them, and I had the Cubs going 120-42. and 42. Now, David, after the loss yesterday, I have to revise that, so now I got him going at 119-43. and 43. But I went by game by game, Big Dog. Game by game, and I had the Cubs winning 120 games. The only problem is though, there's probably going to be a rainout, and it'll mess up the pitching matchup, so I don't know if we can actually oh, play your game by game. That's right. That was a horrible thing to do, Coach. So every time... Every time there's a rainout, I have to revise my uh, – because the pitching matchups change? Yeah, so somebody will be pushed back and somebody else is pushed up. My mind is like a computer, big dog. I'll just put it in overdrive. Not a problem. Okay. How many – A computer like one of those IBM. Yeah, back I was going to say, I'll give you next week. You can come up with top ten responses to the, to my my mind is like a computer. I'm sure you'll have a lot of fun doing that. Hey, uh, real quick, big dog, a tradition like none other, one of the great golf tournaments, always a very special Sunday, uh, the Masters, the final day on Sunday, but uh, yesterday and opening day, Lee Westwood, your leader, Tiger Woods, struggled. Uh, he came out even, I think he's five strokes back. Lee Westwood, your leader, what else do we got? Rory McIlroy had a double bogey to open it up, and then he comes back as a pretty strong afternoon after the double bogey. He goes one under, and then we had, who was it, Henrik Stenson? who had a brilliant, brilliant 17 holes. He was tied for first at five under and quadruple bogeys the 18th hole. You've been there, I know. I've only golfed like six times in my life. So, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't even keep score. But I you just, are you are familiar with the quadruple bogey. Yeah, well, I know that four over. Uh, yeah, it's normal. The people are like, hey, uh, what would you do today on the golf course? Oh, I, I had 14 beers. Well, what, how many strokes you have? I don't know. I was keeping track of beers and not how many times <laughs> I hit the ball. Okay. So, I, I understand. <laughs> what did you say? How many? How did you do today? I hit 14 greens. Is that what you said? <laughs> um, I got to use that line to... because you know how many strokes did it take you to get there? Ah, don't worry about it. I hit 14 greens. <laughs> <laughs> might have been, might have been a ninth I, stroke, and I might, I might have hit woods and trees and sand and water before the green. But damn it, I hit all the greens. But uh, any predictions on what's going to happen here? Tiger really, really had to battle. His way to get an even, but he's only five strokes back. He still feel good. He'll be there uh, down the stretch. Final day. Same with Mickelson. Same with McElroy. I, I'm comfortable with with all those guys. Uh, it, it's funny. It's like the U.S. Open always has somebody that is uh, you don't know who the heck they are. They lead on day one. By day three, you never hear of this guy yeah, again. That's I mean, that's, just, that's not that's, the case with Lee Westwood. No, absolutely. Now, the, the Masters, it's like every other year. A guy, it's funny, but when in the Masters, when those guys come out of nowhere, the, the you know, the Zach Johnsons and the Rory McIlroys, they stick around at the Masters. Have you noticed that? Mm-hmm. But you're right, Lee Westwood, one of the top players in the world. Yep. So it's up for anybody right now. Mm-hmm. All right, it's going to be fun <laughs> to watch. Jimmy Furyk shot three under, Coach. Who? Jimmy Furyk is tied for fifth right now at three under. Why is that so surprising? He's aged, but he's still a pretty damn good golfer. Yeah, I just I, I just hope. I, I root for the old guys, and uh, so I'm just hoping. Right. That. Well, then you you had to watch. I think uh, I think I read where Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicklaus, and Gary Player, the big three from back in my day, all played together in one foursome. So you would have you really enjoyed that one. <laughs> and I think the fourth person in that four, I'm not sure. I think it was Dolly Parton. Not bad. That's an interesting force. Not a bad foursome. Yep. Gary Player underrated for what a good yep. guy and an ambassador he is for. Dolly for the, Parton went back for a big swing and uh, she missed the ball, but they still had to yell out four. A couple of people almost got hit. I know I was yelling out two. 
Oh, goodness. Big Dog, it's a tradition like none other. Do you, my friend, as we close up the show, do you have any traditions like none other on uh, the very celebratory Easter weekend? What uh, what church can I, some of the single females find you in? Well, they can. By the way, I want to throw that out. First of all, I'm uh, it, it, I'm, I'm taken. I, I hate to tell that to everybody. I'm extremely taken. Yeah, I'm extremely we can happy. always try. If you are single out there and you live in the city of Chicago, if you go to Holy Name Cathedral between 9 and noon every Sunday, mm-hmm. you're going to see so much talent walk through that place. And there's all these single <laughs> girls by themselves. I got dragged by a girlfriend there one day. Okay. And I said to her, I'm really glad you took me here. She's like, I know you're looking at all the girls. I'm like, they're gorgeous. She never took me back to church again, Coach. It was the, <laughs> the best thing I could ever said to her was, man, there's a lot of hot chicks in this church. Never had to go back. That was the easiest way to get out of church, Coach. Uh-huh. Of course, we started going to some Mexican church down the street from my house, and I couldn't understand the, the mass, but it didn't really matter. They just said Jesus Cristo over and over again. It was good uh-huh. stuff. <laughs> all right, so a little words of advice for all our young kids out there. we got a lot of kids off of school today. If you're resisting going to church, you know, especially for the guys out there, not a bad way to, uh, you know, check out the scenery and maybe uh, develop a relationship. No, you're gonna you're gonna believe that uh, you're gonna be dating a woman that believes that, you know, a guy turned water into wine and eh. and basically fishing and nothing. So when it comes Christmas and you don't have a job and she still expects you to get a diamond ring, you're gonna figure out why she has these illusions just yeah. to let you know. You're you're everybody. jumping you're jumping way ahead of the game. Let's just, you know, get the relationship started and then we can deal with those things. Just be careful what pew you sit in. Always look in front of you and always looking back of you. That's my advice. Thank you this very is much. True coach. Thank this you. Is true. Uh right, Big Dog, have a great uh, Easter weekend. Enjoy the baseball and the Masters over the weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday and again uh, one more time, real quick plug uh uh this year man and where they can see some of the videos and blogs. Uh, well, if you uh, friend me on Facebook, this year, one word, this year, man is the second word. Uh, I'll friend you, you can see the videos. And I have created thisyearman.com, which will take you right to my blog. And all these videos we shot are eventually going to be up. So thisyearman.com will lead you to the WordPress. Beautiful. This year, man had his presence felt at Wrigley Field yesterday. A lot of people got familiar, uh, some a little bit too familiar with this year, man. Have a great weekend, everybody, and we will see you Monday at 10 o'clock. Be safe. TalkZone.com. Two guys and a mic on a sign-off.